1: When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Slap, slap, slap,
0: Les différents podcasts de frappe.
1: Arsenal have been through that mile and a half of pipe like Andy Defrane in The Shawshank Redemption, where you have to see the light the other tunnel. El podcast de golpe diferente. But Arsenal are going through their pipe, like I say. We'll be back. The different knock podcast.
0: Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. Hello, and welcome back to the uh, Different Knock Preview Podcast, the latest spin-off show from your favourite Arsenal-based podcast. Hi, guys. We are here today and joined by Seasoned Veteran. I'm going to try and use as many... What what are they called? Um, No, they're not similes. You know know those classic football phrases,
1: Seasoned Veteran. Seasoned Veteran, um, um... God, what's oh another God. one? Oh, dear. going to have to edit out 30 seconds. Just pure, just pure,
0: regular, absolute gent of the show. The first guest and the only person that I've ever actually enjoyed talking about Liverpool Football Club to. It's Andy Sellers. Hello, Bramley. How are you
1: doing? I'm very good, mate. Are you all right? I am well, thank you. I'm well. I'm better now having, also, I didn't see the game, but I'm much better having seen that Man City have oh, dropped mate, points. I-
0: I, I unfortunately reneged on my word of never, ever signing up to Sky Sports or BT Sports. Um, basically because the streaming service that I used to use has stopped doing Premier League games and then the other streaming services are shit. So I was like, I'm, I'm not, I'm in a lucky situation where I can afford it. So I'm just going to do it and I can actually watch games in English now rather than Swahili or Arabic or whatever language it's being broadcast in. Uh, and i watched this is my first monday night football and honestly man city are so shit for the level of money that they've spent <laughs> i don't watch them often because i have i have no i have no investment in that club there's no rivalry there they they like it's almost a waste them being at the top of the table because i would i hate it when man when man united win i hate it when I hate it when Liverpool win. I hate it when clubs that matter win. But for a club that is so irrelevant, they've spent so much money. They're also so shit.
1: Like, I would was baffling. I would watch them <laughs> another night um, because I think they are. Um, I think, I think they're very good. Um, I, however, I did only I, watch I, the second half as yeah. well. They could have been better in the first, half. I do but. think they're a really boring team to watch though. Um against a team that doesn't attack them. Because it's it's effectively like watching a possession team play against a low block. And that's never that's never fun to watch. Um and so yeah, I would I would see what Especially, you Especially
0: yeah. But if I you don't have that, a stake in if you don't have a yeah. foothold
1: in the game, if you're not like if if it's
0: Liverpool playing against the low block, you're obviously you're invested because it's Liverpool. If it's Arsenal, I'm invested because it's Arsenal. But yeah. What it was, it was. Oh, mate! It was, it was the the biggest waste of about sixty minutes <laughs> I've ever I've ever had in my life.
1: But the thing about Monday Night Football is, I think the the analysis of clubs either side is actually what makes that the best. Yes, football show for me. In the world, I think it's the best like entertainment value, especially when Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville are on there together. They're not always there, but I think they were there tonight. I don't
0: know. They were, they were there tonight, and yeah. and they do have a good repartee, yeah. and there, there's a good, there's a good level of of kind of camaraderie between them, and and they're not. I, I have a real issue with football punditry in general. Seeing your pundit,
1: what? what yeah, I, we can it's go the into the level it, of analysis.
0: Like, it's yeah. as in like Alex has mentioned this before, and. I I, like, I watch a fair amount of sport in general. Quite I like I like tennis. I like. I went through a basketball phase. I think the level of analytical punditry is horrendous. It's so bad. Um, and it, it, it typified. I, I tweeted this out. It, it typified it for me. I watched the United Spurs game, and Conte after. After the Maguire own goal, uh, when, when this was happening in real time, there was a, a thing of like Conte trying to rile his players up and saying, focus. And in that moment, Gary Neville said, he's telling them to focus because he can see that Man United are here for the taking. Fast forward, probably 15 minutes, analysing the game after. And he says, he's telling his players to focus because because, you know, they're still at danger of conceding and losing the game. And I'm like, it's just and it's so it's and I think it it comes from the people that they get in to do it, but all of it's hyperbolic. I often find that a lot of it is is useless information. And sometimes like it was an Arsenal game probably last week, not not the Leicester game, the one before, where they spent the whole preview talking about um the the City United game. They spent some of the halftime talk in the Arsenal game talking about the City United game. And then they spent some of the post match. And I just I I wonder if there's another level. And if anyone's ever watched tennis, um, they're so analytical with the sport and the way that it that it, it it's played and 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 the movements of the players and how if he'd have just arched his arm a few degrees, it would have created a completely different backspin or or things like that that I do think there's another level to punditry that could be reached that I think that we're missing out of because we have an obsession in this sport with um, old, dated heroes of the
1: game. Yeah, I I, I, I get what you mean. I think that there's definitely a merit to and a value to um, uh, a group of entertaining characters, effectively personas, then mm-hmm. analysing the game. Because ultimately what people are looking for when they go to see Roy Keane talk about a Man United match is for Roy Keane to do his Roy Keane thing. And on Monday Night Football, you're looking for a Jamie Carragher, Gary Neville kind of... There. There, you know, a, a grandiose statement. I remember one was like, you know, Everton's back four is championship level. Like that's the that's the line that is mm. underneath the video. Like they're looking for those moments um and yeah i think that's it's about just, balance yeah it's about, it's it, about i think balance, I, I, I get what you mean but i think the part at the moment like the the reason the punditry in this sport is like that is because it's entertainment it's value and that's the way you I see think, it, as opposed yeah. to it being analytical which i get i get what you mean to in tennis but would that attract the same numbers of audiences no. i don't know no no, or, no of or, course or not. i don't on think
0: i don't think you go to the polar opposite
1: no And I think that when
0: you get Monday Night Football Carragher and Neville together, there's a certain amount of knowledge there that does, that does, you know, there there are, there are certain things that shown and, you know, we, we, we mock that there, but it's, it is things like that showing us Mm -hmm. Mm. things that maybe we haven't seen. I think you, it needs to strike a balance between good analytical data and fun because it is entertainment at the end of the day and I, I definitely agree with that. I do just think there's a better balance to be struck. But uh, to to kind of swerve us away yeah. from all of my opinions, because I could chat, <laughs> I could just chat for a fucking age about pundits because some of them are sh- so shit. Um, let's get on and do a bit of previewing. So there is literally no news really popping about the sphere. I, I feel like this always happens around this time of year as we're kind of entering the last quarter of the of the season it's it's too early for any transfer gossip to really heighten and it's there's unless there's serious drama and especially with what's going on in the world right now there just doesn't seem to be a lot to to kind of talk about other than there's been um a few kind of conversations start to crop up about a uh, manager of the year uh me and Alex had a conversation about this Uh, And both of us threw Klopp's hat in the ring. But uh, there was a really interesting point made that it's really difficult to have these discussions when you don't have the final picture because the award will eventually be given on the basis and relative success of your club. For example, success for Arsenal is top four this season. That's a massive success. And if that happens... Arteta definitely should have his hat thrown in the ring. If we finish sixth, I don't think he should. Um, But I guess my question to you is, what defines success for Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool this season? You've won one competition and you're still in three. What more do you need to do?
1: Win another trophy, I think. I think that I'm personally one of the Liverpool fans that is just... You know I've been blessed that I, I I think we're currently blessed to live and watch this team that for me is kind of generational i i' I'm, I'm, I'm very aware of how privileged this team is, and that I think that I think this is the best Liverpool team we've had arguably in terms of squad mm. in my memory i I mean I wasn't you know alive in the 70s but and modern era. I think this is the best squad. And I think the squad will change next season. So I genuinely think that this is about as good as this squad could get. There's, there's a feeling about this season that I think it is pretty much as... It, this, is, this is peak. So I, I'm genuinely happy that they've won a trophy, to be honest. I'm one of those fans that's just happy regardless. However, if someone's looking at it and going, this is the best Liverpool team of the modern era, what's success? It has to be multiple trophies. I mean, that's just the promise that we, 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 we rate any team that's successful that you would, that we call a dynasty, even though I think that word is kind of used too much about a, a good um. team. Um, yeah. I think that I never, as never even expected us to be close to the league. I still don't think we'll win the league, to be honest. Um, I think, I think you might. I, I don't know. Even, and I was going to say, even though because of this palace result tonight, I I still don't think it doesn't change anything for Liverpool ultimately. It was still in their hands. If they beat Man City and if they win every game, they win the league. Um I don't know if that's possible. I I still don't know, because I just think that City are a more consistent team, just, just by the way they play. Um I think that the Champions League and the FA Cup are more realistic. And in terms of in terms of what, your question, what's the successful season? I think it is genuinely. Two trophies. I think that's a double, is of of any kind. I think is a successful season, considering as well the season we had last year, and considering what the squad is and where it could go. For me, I think that's successful. What I'm interested about in terms of, in terms of the manager of the year, because when you messaged at me before about we to talk about it, I hadn't even thought about it, and actually, and I remember listening to one of your pods. If you think about. Mikel's also I saw Mikel in his car the other day I cycled past him uh, on his way to the Leicester game actually or on his way somewhere that was to do with Arsenal but um because it was on Sunday and and I watched them on Sunday and they are so well drilled mate they're so slick they are really slick and I think that if they got fourth I think that he has to be considered as Manager of the year alongside those uh, two. He's a strong two. candidate, but if they get yeah. if they get third, can you imagine if they overtake Chelsea? That's unreal. Like, I mean, in terms of the squad, in terms of the squad age, in terms of the squad age, in terms of the and managerial quality. experience, and well, I think the quality is 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 there and it's coming. But I think that in terms of the squad age, if they finish third, I'd be like that. that that's it. If you talk about manager manager yeah. of the year manager that of would have squad, been a massive manager achievement of a by manager, yeah. manager of like you know in terms of their experience and their you know, level I would say if the, if you finish third definitely and I would say if, if you finish fourth I think that's arguably I the think, biggest yeah. achievement of a manager that season
0: I, I would agree and it, it's all going to depend on you know West Ham's finish for David Moyes's potential candidacy for the for the role and for the, for the award and the same with Bruno Largent and, and everyone, you know, I think if, if Dyche manages to keep Burnley up <laughs> after the start that they had and being rock bottom of the table and whatever, I think that he no. deserves to have his hat thrown in the ring rather than the bald guy at the top end of the table who can't even get a win against Palace when he spent about 6 billion pounds <laughs> on a squad. um, Honestly, mate, it spun my head, but to, to kind of pick up on something that you mentioned there about, Dynasties. and this this segues really nicely into this point, I think. Yes, there's a new dynasty coming at Liverpool. I watched your game against Brighton, and I've been i've I've said, uh, we've had conversations before where I've said, if things don't go well, I could see Liverpool become a Europa League level club if the recruitment isn't right, and if they don't make the right decisions. I think the right decisions have already been made and are being made. Luis Diaz is electric and is already taking the mantle from, from somebody like Sadio Mane. The same with Jota through the center. I guess the final one to replace would be Salah. And my, my, the first kind of question on this is there's obviously all this talk about new contracts and, and, apparently he's been offered about 300,000 pounds a week and he's turned it down because he's looking to match um earners at the top end of the Premier League scale. You know, Kevin De Bruyne is on 400, Paul Pogba's on around that much, Ronaldo's on 500 and right now I think there's there's not many better in the world than Salah. Uh would you break Liverpool's wage structure and give him the contract? Or do you sell him in the summer?
1: Uh, I wouldn't do either I wouldn't I wouldn't break the wedge Uh, I think he'll sign ultimately I think that the Mm. warning signs have been there from Wijnaldum and I don't know where he's going to go and I don't think they're going to PSG then he's not going to go to Mm. PSG that, no, he's not going there. I, I mean, or maybe I'll listen back to this in a month's time and be like, "I'm wrong." But he's not going PSG. Barcelona is the only one that I think he could go to because Real Madrid are buying and Bappe and Haaland. That's done. It's mm. for, according to you know Grimes on Twitter. That's just done. But the um, I just can't I just can't see him going anywhere. And I think ultimately he he, he does love the club, and I think that he would rather stay. I think. I think yeah. I think I. I don't think I. Sh- I don't think you should wait. You should break the wage structure because I was thinking about this the other day when I heard the news that he would rejected, not rejected, but it sounded like he hadn't. There hasn't been negotiations since December, and yeah, I, I was like, I've been a Liverpool fan when Torres was bought and Torres was sold, when Suarez was bought and Suarez was sold, when Coutinho was bought and Coutinho was sold, and Salah's been bought and. Many others have been bought. Good players always come around, like they just. And um, because I th- again, it's a privilege to be a, a Liverpool fan because you know we've had lots of great players. In the same way that all the great clubs always end up getting great players, just because of financial reasons, historical reasons, whatever. I think I think he if he if he goes, he will be replaced. But I don't think that. I don't think. I just, I just can't see it happening. I just can't see him going because I just don't know where he he'll go. And I also think that they won't. I don't think FSG will change the way they run the club because I think that I'm also one of those Liverpool fans who there's not. I don't know if there's many of them, but I I think I'm certainly one of them who really thinks FSG run the club really well. And like you say, they've made the right decisions. They got in Luis Diaz. And I think we're sort of an embarrassment of riches because I don't think they would have wanted to have Diaz there when the other four were there. That's why Mm. I think it's like we're sort of at a peak because I think we're sort of... It's embarrassing how much we have at the top level. Um, But yeah, that's a long-winded answer. But basically, I wouldn't do either of what you you said, Brad, because it's it's Mo and I love him. And I saw a stat today that said... Because they scored their 2,000th goal at the weekend, Liverpool... And 19% of those goals, in terms of like Premier League goals, I think, or, or something, 19% were scored by Gerard and Salah. He's like one of the greats. He is one of the greatest. I think he's already in the all-time 11. And that won't change if he goes, for me. I don't think it will change if he goes.
0: No, I, I, I can totally understand, especially from a, an emotional standpoint, like the connection that you have to, to players, uh, it you no, know, it, it it does get in the way, which is why you do sometimes need a a cold person at the top of the level yeah. of the club to yeah. to make those hard decisions. Because when does it um, stop?
1: As well, when does it stop? Yeah, if he it, asked exactly. for it, It's the same with running running of any club, and uh, you could make That's, a comparison yeah. to Arsenal in that like when you get into that thing of going, right, we'll just give him a big contract. What's the worst that could happen? Well, no, well then you get a rot, then you get a, and not to oh. call your club rot, but like, could, but <laughs> you get, did. you, you get, did. you it get a, a group of players who are earning loads of money. You can't get rid of because no one will take them. Absolutely. Um, interesting segue. Uh, Salah, I don't think we'll play on Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> I don't well, think yeah, he I don't think he's fit. seems to have picked up an injury, an injury but that, I don't think that'll
0: da- dampen Liverpool's chances with the front three that you'll put no, out. No, hopefully not. Well, hopefully not for Liverpool. With, with Salah, if you can... And this is the same thing I think I've said about Lacazette. If you can get him to agree to a deal that works for the club, you keep him. I don't think mm. that you can replace his output for £100 million. Mm. So... If you can, as in, you, I don't think you can go out and buy a player that comes in and gives you the output straight away from the same level. Pounds. Yeah, you can get a kind of 24,
1: yeah. 23 year old who, who might grow, grow. Yeah, into yeah, that.
0: Yeah. yeah. So I think if you can get him to agree to a 250, maybe 300,000 pound a week deal that works for the club, that means that there's still some upwards mobility for players like Van Dyke, Allison, and then all of your stars below that, Trent, Robertson and such, then I think it's a no-brainer. But if it is kind of steadfast, hard and fast, it's 400K or nothing. I do think it's with the way that Liverpool have been shown to buy talent, you would be much better off selling him in the summer for 80 or 100 million pounds and bringing some talent in rather than letting him go on a free.
1: Mm.
0: So I think that's where the difficult decision comes in. If you can get him to agree to, to a deal that works for the club, then I think it's a no-brainer. He's one of the best players in the world, but it'll it'll all be dependent on whether he can do that. Because like we've seen at Manchester United, their wage structure is so broken that they have a... Uh, I think Thomas Partey, who's our highest paid player on like 160K a week isn't even inside the top 10 paid, best-paid Man United players. He might might just be pushing the top 15 because they're all on ridiculous wages. It's the same at Chelsea. Timo Werner's on 350 grand a week or something stupid. Jesus. Like, it it really can have ramifications and effects on a club.
1: Timo Werner, more like. Hey, Timo Werner? Hey, Timo That's That was very, very clever. Erna.
0: Do you get the joke, guys? <laughs> Do you get the joke? Really... I can't hear any laughter. Really enjoyable. <laughs> oh, I love these chats. I actually do. These give me life. I love
1: it. I love it. It's it's brilliant. What's the What's the deal with Lacquer? Do you think you keep him? Again, he was he was good against I, Leicester. He was he good. He's changed a,
0: a lot. Yeah. He offers a lot. Doing this kind of more reserved, false ninety, not scoring goals, kind of <laughs> dropping deep role. <laughs> mm. Um, and it, it really works and it facilitates the talent around him. The only issue is he's on a lot of money. He's on about 180 K a week. And because his contract is ending this summer, he will obviously be able to go somewhere and earn hefty signing on bonuses, hefty wages. I don't think, I don't even think he'll get near 180 K a week at another club but he'll still get a a very good wage. If we can get him to agree to a deal where we pay him what he's worth, which for me is probably more around the 100K a week margin for one season, I think we do it because it's a no-brainer. But the issue is, is he's never going to agree to that because he's coming off his best season, probably what will end up being his best season and his best achievements in an Arsenal shirt in leading this team back into the champions league. It's his best opportunity. He's coming out on a high to go and get wages elsewhere. And what we can't do is again, hitch our wagon to an aged player who isn't a hundred percent of what we need and basically making him our top earner for another two seasons for the sake of it. And it's, it's really annoying that his contract doesn't have one more year to run after. If -hmm. his contract was another year longer, I'd go, do you know what? Fair enough. The contract's already been given. We're not going to get a lot of money for him. We'll get like 10 million quid. Let's just keep him. Yeah. But because the contract's ending this summer, I just think unless we can get him to agree to a deal that really works for us, there's, there's not much point because what he does offer is good. I think you can buy that in the market. I don't think that's not it. Like, I don't think that's impossible to find.
1: Yeah, you can buy a player who does those roles, who's five, six, seven years younger, and absolutely offers that.
0: And it's going to be paid less. You know, yeah. we've been linked to yeah. João Felix, for example, who I think is a sensational player, who's on something. I saw it rumored that he's on like seventy k a week. Really, at Atletico, Atletico. Madrid, which I mm. I think must be not true, <laughs> but
1: but I don't know. I don't know what Atletico's. Um, wage bill wage or structure bill, is like maybe it's maybe it's much less than uh, Ray or something I don't know Lord knows Lord knows but it,
0: uh, even then yeah. I think that we, you could bring somebody of him in and and depending on what he's already on pay him less than what we're playing Lacazette he's already better mm-hmm. and he already mm. he's younger and would mm. offer more in the future so it's gonna be a sad parting of ways, I think, come the summer, because he is somebody that's garnered a lot of affection by the fans and definitely does deserve it. Anyway, let's move on to the game in context. <laughs> so, uh best little game show host voice there for you folks. Little little Easter egg for this for whoever listens to this episode. I swear, any time we do episodes with Andy or I do this kind of stuff with Alex or the preview pod, it just becomes unhinged so quickly. (laughs) I love it. It's such good chat. So the game in context for both teams, well, listen, both of, everyone is well aware. Liverpool are on a title challenge. Arsenal are challenging for top four. Both teams have won all five of their last Premier League games. And I think for me, this has more ramifications in Liverpool's season than Arsenal's. The reason that winning against Leicester was so important on the weekend is that Arsenal have now earned the right to lose this game. (laughs) Because Arsenal could perform to 100% of their capabilities and still lose to Liverpool. Liverpool are that good right now. I'm I'm not afraid to admit it. They're, they're, They're a very good football club with sensational football players who... On their day, could literally beat anyone, and Arsenal could play to a hundred percent of their capabilities right now in this moment and still be beaten two nil. I don't. For me, I don't think this has a lot of bearing in our season. We're still a point above United. This is one of our games in hand. As long and United are absolutely going to still drop points this season, they're a car crash. I literally don't care. I'm, I, 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 I've I said it before. We're going to go for a, for Ramsdale in goal and then two banks of five and see what happens. What, it, whatever happens, happens. <laughs> but it, what it is, is it's a good barometer of testing whether we have stepped up a level against higher quality opposition. Now for Liverpool... I guess there's a lot riding on this game and riding on pretty much every game come till the end of the season because you are unfortunately the chasing pack rather than the leading wolf per se. So, I guess does that come across for you? Do, do you feel do you feel that when going into every game?
1: Yeah, I think um and I think the players have talked about it as well in interviews <clears throat> where they've talked about how it's like it's like eight finals. Yeah, it's like it's, it's eight finals in the Premier League. It's eight games they have to win. If they win all the games, they win the league. It's one of those where it's in, the, it's in their hands now. It's definitely in their hands now, but it was already in their hands in terms of goal difference. But if they win every single game, they win the league. And so it's finals. Arsenal are probably the last team in the league that I think they'd want to be playing right now, apart from City, in terms of form-wise. Um so and to go to the Emirates on a night game. Uh I mean I live, you know, like we you know, both live relatively close to the Emirates Stadium. Um and there's been definitely a different atmosphere when I've even been watching mm. the games on T V in terms of that whole the whole myth of it being kind of a quiet stadium, I don't think is the truth anymore. Um it's it's not. I don't think it's, it's never been a nice place to go. I mean, it's it's been arguably an easier place to go in some seasons, but it's not a nice place to go at the moment. And so, uh, yeah, I, I I mean, yeah, of course, it, it has loads of ramifications on our season, um, but it's one of them. They've just got to go, and and yeah, I, I don't think Arsenal will hold back. I think they'll attack. Um oh, I I I think I, it will, I, be, I, I think it will I be I think it will be an guess. end-to-end game. Um Yeah. And yeah, it really depends on what on the on, and I think it really depends on individual battles if, you know.
0: Absolutely. And there's been a ridiculous amount of goals in the last 5 yeah. games yeah. between the two clubs, you yeah. know, it's it's going to be a very exciting affair. And like you said, I don't think Arsenal will hold back. I I, I think they will still play in the same way that they yeah. They want to because it's a good opportunity to kind of grease those wheels against better opposition. I guess it will. It will it will come down to individual moments. Yeah, because yeah, I don't... Th- no, go on. I don't think it's going to be a battering. I don't think it's going to be a bore draw. I think what it's going to be is one exciting moment. That unleashes the game for both clubs.
1: Yeah, because if I think about the if I think about the League Cup games and the the game at the beginning of the season, I think is 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 it's hard to tell because I think it's it's not a five nil. Um, I didn't actually see a lot of the game, but um, you know it's one of those ones where it was quite early on in the season. I don't think Arsenal fully got their rhythm yet. Um, but in terms of the League Cup games, all those were about were was the first leg being of sending off and so sort of changing the aspect of the game but before that, that the, the duel between Saka and and Robertson and i remember Saka really owning Robertson for a lot of the game <clears throat> and then the second leg is just two two good passes from Trent and finishes from Jota and that those are the moments that that i think change that well, obviously that change those games I don't know. It's one of those ones where it's hard to tell. It's also, I think it's an interesting one because I don't know if you feel this about Arsenal, but I think this is about Liverpool as well, is that I think that they're not, Liverpool are not a consistent team. And when I when I, I say that they, they consistently play the same way, but I always have a feeling in my heart that we we could go in and win 5-0 or we could come away and, score the first goal but then lose 3-1 because it, and lose three goals within the first, within 10 minutes. And I don't know if the, the, you feel the same about Arsenal in terms of because I think it's about that team that has just a, such an attacking mentality that when you leave two players at the mm. back, when you play such a high line, you are more susceptible to those counters and because so many teams don't play attacking in the Premier League now. Um, I remember Pep, Pep, I don't know Pep Guardiola, manager of Manchester City, said um, there's only six teams in the league that actually attack, and it was something like Liverpool, um, L- Liverpool, Arsenal, Leeds. Um, oh, who are the others? I can't remember Aston Villa. Like, and he was like, "There's only there's only really five or six that really go for it, and the rest of them just play those counter attacks." And so I feel like. Yeah. That that when that if you're a Liverpool fan and you're watching that high line, you always feel a little bit susceptible. Do you feel that for Arsenal?
0: Yeah, yeah, to to a degree, I think more so in the in the last few games because obviously we've got our deputy right back in Cedric Cedric Suarez who didn't have the best time against uh, Harvey Barnes and was obviously the pressing trigger for them. I thought we coped kind of admirably for his ability, but. That's a worry on that on that right-hand side for us. I
1: thought he played quite well. I mean, I thought Leicester were pretty bad. Like, I was surprised how bad Leicester were. Um, I but, think
0: that's the thing. Yeah. A better team with yeah. better players and those moments. And Barnes and was go, sort of on his own. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And there were so many moments where he'd get past... Because the thing is, is Ben White is very good at being aware and covering space. So if Cedric does get done, he's popped out to that right channel before. Mm. But because there was nobody exploiting the space that Ben White has, then had to leave for Leicester mm. in a f- in a few of those moments. There's there's no um there's no ground gained from it. Liverpool will exploit that space. So there's there's a few worries in there. I, I, do, I don't think I'm too worried about counter-attacks because I think one thing that, and I don't know if you agree, one thing that I think Liverpool lack is the clever dark arts of the game. I think that there are definitely some dirty players. I've seen Sadio Mane elbow far too many people Robinson. to have not been sent yeah. off re- recently. Um, But... What I feel that Arsenal have started to gain is cheeky little fouls on the halfway line to stop counter attacks that sometimes aren't even picked up. The perfect example was there's a Ben White one on Patson and Daka, and now listen, I'm not a fan of this. I said this in the actual podcast, but if it's going to happen, I'd rather we do it.
1: Mm.
0: Uh, where he he does he kind of clips Patson Daka's heels and goes down with Patson Daka and gets a free kick. He's the one that that causes the altercation, you know? And I, I wonder whether Liverpool have that in their team. I don't think I've watched them enough to know. And obviously, because the thing is, is Liverpool are the way that they defend is so different. they 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 defend with their press more than anything. So I guess it also comes back to that that is going to leave you open to counters. We defend by by going back into shape and holding spa- shape. And we definitely counter press at times, but Liverpool's main form of defence is just absolutely suffocating the life out of you, and it really, really works. But I think that I mean that's why you've got Virgil Van Dijk. Because yeah, literally. Virgil Van Dijk alone can can marshal. It could be that one man pivot at the back and still manage to do a perfectly fine job yeah. at you know sorting shit out.
1: <laughs> I think I I definitely agree with that, but I think that also. Um, in terms of the dark arts stuff, I, I saw a clip. Uh, no, not a clip. I was watching the game. And uh, there was a moment where, I don't know if you saw it, but Ben White is like, it was. A, uh, there's a free kick about to come in. And Ben White's just next to Pereira. And he just sort of like shoves him so deliberately. And then Pereira kind of reacts. And then the referee calls it to a halt. And then Ben White just like looks at Pereira like, what the fuck are you doing, mate? And I was like, that's c- fair play. Like, I've not seen like a player. And I was like, I, I kind of liked... Ben White doing that sort of thing and kind of get me- messing with someone getting in their heads because like mm. ultimately I'm, teams are going to do it against you and it's nothing, mm-hmm. it's nothing violent. It's nothing, it's nothing aggressive. You're just, you're just trying to, you're just putting, you're putting your, you're putting your personality out there. And I think that's something that Robertson does really well. There's a, Absolutely. there's a clip that Robertson that always gets shipped out of Robertson in the Liverpool for Barcelona nil game. When it's really early on and Messi's on the floor and Robertson just like shoves his head. And like, even though that's like, you know, it's it's aggressive, but ultimately it it, it does it's not harmful and mess and it really shakes Messi. I mean, oh, it, I mean yeah, he, yeah, he's, he's messy can. he's messy, so he's probably not that bothered about it. But it's like when players do that, I kinda don't mind. I'm kinda like, yeah, mind game go for made. it. Mind go games go. Are like, rubbish. you know, it's like it's a game. Just like play it and you know, if you can get away with that sort of stuff, fair play. And it's also it's the kind of thing having watched Arsenal for a long time it's the kind of thing that I've not seen in an Arsenal team for a long long time a long a long, long, long time. time they're like yeah. always given that kind of thing of like I know Arsenal give it like to Spurs and this may be sacrilegious to say on an Arsenal podcast I know Arsenal give it to like the Spursy thing but the Arsenal thing of like being a little bit brittle and being a little bit weak that to me is is going the more players you have like mm-hmm. those people in your team Ben White um, Gabrielle Martinelli. He's like a terrier. Um, mate. Parte, partay, but Partey's not, Partey's not really like that. He's more just sort of commanding and kind of, Partey he, 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 he controls the game. You. Yeah, he controls the game. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, mate. I, think, I, I, I don't really mind it. I think fair play. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to fair do man. it. I'd just be like, oh, I'm so sorry, mate. I'm really sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yeah, bro. sorry. Yeah, <laughs>
0: All righty. Let's move on to some predictions. I mean, I think we're basic. I think it's going to be the same lineups as, as we've seen for Arsenal for the last three games. Uh, I think we've worked out a system, a vision that works.
1: Have you got any injuries? I don't
0: think it'll change. Uh, Tommy Asu. I still, I, uh, what I'm hoping is I, I, hoping he doesn't play because he played against you in the in the Carabao Cup second leg got rinsed by Jota after coming back from injury and that basically that game basically put him back out and i think that again that's that's something we've got to get better at we we need to not he this is a losable game for arsenal uh saturday's against villa isn't so i'd much much prefer we rest Tomiyasu, play Cedric again, come hell or high water, whatever the result, and we'll we'll just put out the same eleven, I think. What about you? I think obviously Salah's look he didn't train apparently. Salah didn't so train today. Like he, yeah. Um,
1: I would be surprised if he starts. I think he could be on the bench, but I'm not sure. But Firmino back, Tiago back, I wouldn't be surprised if it's that midfield. Th- trio that i think is the strongest of um fabinho tiago and henderson um, i think it's the most balanced um and arguably cater but i think that i prefer henderson in there cuz i think he's more um i think he i think he he gets i think he does that thing that we were just talking about i think he's more he has a personality i think he gets onto mm. players and quickens the pace of the um of the passing and then in terms of if it's no Salah, i would imagine Mane Jotter and Louis Dish. Louis Dish. Louis Dish.
0: Perfect.
1: Uh I, for a scoreline,
0: I'm gonna go I'm gonna go two one to Liverpool. Uh because you lot did us an immeasurable favor a few years ago, beating the dirty lot down the lane in the Champions League final. <laughs> so I'm happy to secede the 3 points in this game as form of payment <laughs> for never having to live in a world where spurs have won the champions league
1: i'm going <clears> to <throat> say i'm going to say i'm going to say 2-0 and that's only because i i think that i i i can't see i i i it depends who's the centre back pairing but I think I have just a feeling it might be Canate, and I think that Van Dijk and Canate don't just don't look like can see goals. And even though I think no. that Arsenal were good at the weekend, I, I can't really remember a lot. I mean, maybe I'm not remembering it well, but I can't remember a lot of chances. And I don't. And I think that Arsenal, I think they're very creative, but I'm not sure that Lacquer is necessarily winning duels against Van Dijk or Ibu or is it Kanate or Yeah, I'm I'm going to say 2-0. I'm going to
0: say 2-0. Yeah. Uh, uh yeah, I I, I do agree. I, 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 it's it's difficult, isn't it? Because obviously you want your team. But but win. again, it's one of those
1: things where like well, like we said, individual moments because what if Erdegaard like, you know, scores a free kick? Or like you know, Saka does have a great game against Robertson. I don't know, but I think that if it's going to happen, it's going to happen from one of those. But what in my in my head, I think Van Dijk and Canate, Robertson and Trent against Laka, Saka, uh, probably Martinelli on the left, and Odegaard. and I think the like, thing I, is is
0: Fabinho is so and good. Fabinho Fabinho as DM, yeah. You know, one of the reasons that Lacazette had such a good game against Leicester is for some reason they just let, they left Ndidi out and left Mm -hmm. all that space for Lacazette and Odegaard to drop into those pockets and, and control the game. So I, yeah, I can't see us getting much joy. And the one thing for me to remember is Liverpool are mentality monsters if any team on the planet is going to be galvanised into winning a result on sheer willpower because they've just seen their main title contenders drop points, it's going to be Liverpool. So uh, I think it's going to be a tricky day at the office. Very tricky. One thing I will say is it's going to be a great game of football. Hope so. I hope it
1: will be.
0: Fingers crossed. Well, (laughs) thank you so much for coming back, mate. It's good to, to chat with you again. Thank you. On, on, always a pleasure. It seems like we play Liverpool about seven times a season. We always
1: do. It's always cup games as well. Like it's yeah, always, always do. It's never nice. Like I remember, was, nice. it, was it? Was a four-four? Yeah,
0: there was a four-four draw. Four-four. There was just belters. The, but the, like, the, the, I, the
1: years before when they beat, I remember Julio Baptista scoring ooh, a hat trick, six-three. And then that same year, that Henri rinsed Carragher. In a three-one in the like the League Cup or the League or something, it's never fun. It's never fun. I do playing love
0: basketball. playing Liverpool. No, I,
1: love Liverpool. I don't like. I, do, I don't I, like it. I don't like it. No, I, don't, it's it's, I,
0: I quite. I don't like Liverpool fans on, <laughs> on the most part. There's a lot that I don't enjoy about them. Um, but I do like Liverpool as it, one, one. One as a club. Secondly, as a city. Um, I think that, the, and I think the two are so ingrained that there's so much to love about the i the almost ideology that comes from that place and from anfield um but yeah i i i look forward to some healthy competition
1: see how it goes
0: and we'll see how it goes anyway uh thank you so much for listening guys and making it through probably i think this is probably our our longest episode yeah but it's definitely a good one um yeah thank you for listening keep it different And we will see you later. Peace. Peace. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com. Find us on Twitter at Diff Knock and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com.
1: Thanks. Podcast Network.